I have a, it's nothing worse than picking up a mic and it sort of smells like saliva, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> just being real, you know, I was, no. So, um, well, good morning, everyone. Um, Pastor Doug and Cindy, unfortunately, are, um, you know, well, Pastor Rifle is just such a cool cat that, I mean, his, his spit smells like roses, so. Um, <laughs> Um, <clears throat> anyway, Pastor Doug and Cindy are fighting the flu as among a number of others, and that's been talked about, but that's why I'm up here. I'm, um, Pastor Doug called me and asked me to fill in this morning. And so, um, the sermon series, it's a red letter, red letter day. Okay. I want to make sure I have that right. That will be picked up. And so this is going to be a, a, a this sermon is going to be an outlier outside of that sermon series, and so we're going to go down a we're going to go down a rabbit hole in the spirit of God today. Okay, come on, we are, and um, and we're going to talk about some things that the Lord's been speaking to me. And I want to clarify that I am stepping into a revelation, and I'm beginning to share out of that revelation, but I have not fully it's not fully formed yet. Okay. So that what that means is I want you to be powerful. I want you to hear God. I want you to discern. I want you to engage the Holy Spirit yourself. He is the spirit of truth. He's going to lead you into all truth. And so today, let's just open up our hearts. Confess with me, Holy Spirit, I trust you. I open my heart to you. And I trust that none other will come in. Nah. <laughs> You are the spirit of truth. I receive truth today. By your word. By revelation. And I welcome it. In Jesus' mighty name. Hey, come on. Yeah, well, we're going to be talking today and hopefully encountering today the spirit of the fear of the Lord. What happens when you hear that term, the spirit of the fear of the Lord? What comes up in your little mind, in your noodle, when you think about the spirit of the fear of the Lord? Anybody want to be honest? Okay, abuse. Okay, we're going to talk about that. Okay, you don't give up my, t- <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> um, I, I mean, for me, I, you know, if anybody else is not going to raise their hand. Okay. Okay. Anybody else, when you think about the spirit of the fear of the Lord, what comes up inside of you? Go ahead. I'm sorry, say louder. Yeah, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Life, Gail. Huh? Okay, we're going to talk about some of that today too. Most of the, I come out of the charismatic tradition in the church. So, I mean, the Jesus movement in the 70s touched our church that I was growing up in, and there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and all types of things happened, and I encountered the presence of God as a child. Lordship didn't hit until I was in college, but um, I really came to know the Lord in 1989, which is really the heart of the charismatic movement. Now, I'm going to tell you as a charismatic, the charismatic movement is over. 
okay? We're, we're in a new realm and a whole new thing that God's doing in the earth. And we're on a threshold as the body, as you've heard me say time and time again. And I'm not tired of saying it because it is going to manifest. It's going to come. There is a transformation of the body of Christ, an awakening like we have never seen before that is coming upon the church. And, and there's a lot that's happening even, you know, among us as a family and among the church in a broad a broad brush stroke, if you will, where we're holding on to things that are old because they're familiar, but yet we know they don't really work anymore. We know there's a shift. We know something's coming. We've seen and perceived that it's a far off that we've seen in the spirit. You, you have bear, how many of you bear witness in your spirit by the knowledge of God or his revelation to you that you know, that you know that yes, there is an awakening of the church that's coming. Raise your hands. Okay, great. And so there's this season of preparation, which I put a video about this on, on the web, on my Facebook page, but there's a season of preparation that we're in, and it's really called the desert. And I'm not going to get into that, but the purpose of the desert is preparation to step through a threshold of destiny because the desert doesn't last forever. It's a season of time. There's a fixed period. And God is working and preparing us, his people, for what he's getting ready to do because there is a destiny, there's a threshold, a door of destiny that we as a church, as the body of Christ, are going to step over, and it is going to be transformational. Evangelicalism, as we have known it, is, is, it's over. It, it's over. But what God is bringing is going to shine so much more brightly, so much more true. It is going to, it is going to be so powerful if the nations are going to stand up and take notice. Yes, I'm prophesying, so enjoy it. All right. <clears throat> I want to talk about Jesus because Jesus, we remember he is the model. He is the man, which is the model. He came fully God, yet fully man. And in the fullness of his humanity, he came as a man, received the Holy Spirit. I'm repeating. You've heard me say it before. I'll say it again. It is so important that we understand this principle. He came fully as man, yet fully God. And he received the Holy Spirit to demonstrate to his disciples who, who are also fully men and women. That they too, by receiving the Holy Ghost, can do the things and do even exceedingly more than what Jesus did. Because that's what his word says. We have the church in mass as a whole has, has yet to touch this realm. But that's the realm that's coming upon us. That's what God has for us. And I'm going to share with you today about the spirit of the fear of the Lord so that you can gain understanding to begin to step in to say, if Jesus delighted in it, there must be something delightful about the spirit of the fear of the Lord. So let's go to that scripture right now. Isaiah 11. <clears throat> Is, uh, I, yeah. Okay. Can you all read that? I did my best. Okay, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name will be called. Did I do that? Shoot, it's supposed to be Isaiah 11. There shall come forth, just turn to Isaiah 11, forget that slide. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. I think you pulled up the name and not 
there are two different PowerPoints. One's called the name and one is called the spirit of the fear of the Lord. That's an old sermon. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. Capital H, him. The spirit of wisdom and the spirit, and I will, I'll insert in the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, or the spirit of counsel and the spirit of might, and the spirit of the knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. Now, let's, let's get this passage. This is a prophetic passage in Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus. It's declaring the coming of Yeshua, the Messiah, Yeshua Yamashiach, the Messiah, the anointed one, right? And here it is, it's declaring what the seven spirits of God that are going to be upon him, that are going to mark his ministry, and above all, it says, his delight is in the spirit of the fear of the Lord. When I started meditating on that, it, it rocked me. It shook me in such a good way because I went, there's something amiss in my thinking and how I've thought about the spirit of the fear of the Lord because Jesus found delight. There's something delightful about this. There's something that I should find delight in because I'm not seeing something I need to pursue it. So I want to invite you into a pursuit this morning to that you would begin to engage and meditate upon Jesus said, or rather the scripture says of Jesus, that he found delight in the spirit of the fear of the Lord above all the other spirit, the, the spirit of counsel, might, wisdom, all those other things. And if, if it was, if that is what marked Jesus, then come on, I want that. There's something there that we have not perceived, and God is in the process. I'm telling you prophetically, God is in the, we we are in the moment where there is a revelation. There's things that God is bringing forth into the body of Christ as we've seen over the past number of years, and this is going to be one of them. He... His delight is in the fear of the Lord. And then it goes on to describe, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes nor decide by the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked and righteousness shall be the belt of his loins and faithfulness the belt of his waist. There is... Can you all agree with me to begin a journey to go, there's something, if Jesus found something delightful about the spirit of the Lord, that maybe he wants to reveal what's so delightful about him? Okay. All right. Do we have the right sermon slides up? We're working on it. Okay. So I want to give you a little teaser about, turn, turn to Psalm 25. We're going to, our slides aren't working. This is a good opportunity to crack open your dusty Bible. <laughs> you know, science actually shows that you actually retain more when you actually hold a book than when you actually look at a slide or you use a Kindle or something else. It's actually, it behooves you and is better for you because you're engaging touch, you're engaging other parts of your senses, of your soul, to engage your spirit to receive by the Spirit. We are spirit, soul, and body. 
The five senses are part of your soul and they affect your body. And when you engage your senses, you are also, because you're a whole being, you're not, you're not part compartmentalized. Every single one of them affects the other. Come on, how could sanctification be sanctification if that weren't the truth? What God's already done in your spirit, he's working out in your soul. Come on. So, verse 12 in Psalm 25. Are you all there? Oh, okay. Who... Who is the man who fears the Lord with awe? Say awe. Say awe. With awe. Inspired reverence and worships him with submissive wonder. Say wonder. This is the amplified version. Say awe and wonder. Okay, this side awe, this side wonder. Awe. Wonder. Try it again. Awesome. I just think that's what, that was fun. Okay. He will teach him through his word in the way he should choose. This is a promise. This is part of what's delightful about the spirit of the fear of the Lord. He will teach who? Not big him, little him. That's you and I, guys. He will teach us through his word in the way he should choose. We have decisions to make in our lives. And the promise is, is that if we will fear the Lord with awe and wonder, he will show us the way we should choose. His soul will dwell in prosperity. Dear beloved, I desire that you prosper in all things and be in health as your Here's a key to soul prosperity. It's the spirit of the fear of the Lord. To worship him in awe and wonder. His soul will dwell in prosperity and goodness. His descendants will inherit the land. Come on, I want my children to inherit the land. To a thousand generations. That is the, that is the covenant of our God. The secret of the wise counsel of the Lord is for those. The secret of the wise counsel. How many of you want the secret counsel of God? Come on, it comes by the spirit of the fear of the Lord. The secret of his wise counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he will let them know his covenant. He will let them know his covenant. He will make it known to you. He will reveal it to you. It won't just be knowledge. It will be experienced. It will be revealed, revelation, illuminated. Come on. Can you tell I'm excited about this? All right? And he will let them know his covenant and reveal to them through his word its deep inner meaning. Now, this is my opinion. I'm going to declare my opinion, not a fact and not a Bible fact. My opinion is, is that there's one, there's, there's, there is merit and there is blessing in the knowledge of the word of God. But there is, there is blessing and increase and favor and greater manifestation in the revelation of the word of God, in the way that it, hold on one second. Through his word and its deep inner meaning. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that there is, there is more to be received other than just knowledge. It is understanding the ways of God. 
And I, I would say that this is indicating its deep inner meaning is to show us the patterns and the principles, the ways of our Father, that we would learn his ways and walk in them and then lead others to do the same. Ah, back up. <laughs> and then it says the final part of this passage. My eyes are continually toward the Lord, for he will bring my feet out of the net. The fowler snare, Psalm 91. There's, there again is this promise that out of, out of awe and there is a promise of deliverance. To keep your foot out of the net. Whoo, all right, Menye, let's go on to the next one. Now, I want to talk about the principle of how, how do I want to describe this, Holy Spirit? <clears throat> we can look at the spirit of the fear of the Lord. It's from the Old Testament into the New Testament, which means it's part of, not only was it a part of the Old Covenant, it's a part of the New Covenant because it is, it is declared in Isaiah that Jesus the one who came and brought and established the new covenant, delighted in the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And so there is one way that we need to examine the spirit of the fear of the Lord in the old covenant and then understand it in the new. Amen? So let's look at the presence of God and the spirit of the fear of the Lord in Exodus 20. This is at the giving of the Ten Commandments. The, 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 <laughs> God in all of his fullness comes upon the top of a mountain. And, we're, and, and I want you to see here what has happened. Now, all the people witnessed the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the smoking mountain. And as they looked, the people were afraid and they trembled and they moved backward and they stood at a safe distance. Would you say that there was some and happening in this moment? <clears throat> And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us for we will die. Okay. Now you have to remember, we, we haven't experienced this because we're under grace. The veil has been written too. But what I'm going to, oh, I'll tell you later. Okay. So. Speak to us and we will listen. Do not let God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid for God has come in order to test you in order that the fear of him, that is a profound reverence for him, will remain with you so that you do not sin. Now, you need to understand something. The old covenant was external because the spirit of God wasn't in people yet, but the new covenant is internal and the spirit of God is in you. And the, and the power, the grace not to sin, the power to, that sin has been broken off of your life has been brought by the same spirit that now lives inside of you. But there's something that's been lacking in the church in, the, in this age. And it is an Okay, next slide, please. Mingye, next slide. Or whoever's up there. Okay. 
Now, what does, what does Paul tell us about the kingdom of God? Say it with me. For the kingdom of God is not based on talk, but on power. The kingdom of God is not based on talk, but on power, on dunamis. Okay? <clears throat> do you understand? Do you, I, I want to get this principle is that this is supposed to be a part of our everyday lives. This is supposed to be normal Christianity. This is supposed to be being naturally supernatural. The power of God has been lacking in the church. And as a result of that, there is a lack of and that promote, that produces a reverence and a worship that puts you in the place of going, whoa, oh my goodness. Better yet, you can look throughout the old covenant and see the examples and look in the New Testament, which we're going to do and see the examples. And the nations around the people of God were afraid because they knew the very presence, the fear of God went before his people and it caused nations to shudder and quake. I read a scripture and I can't, I, I haven't been able to pull it up. I, I, I mean, I was just doing research and I ran across it, but there was a rebuke to the Levites that I read in a passage where it said, because they had lost reverence of God and fear of God, that they, that God had allowed the, the Levites, the priests, the ministers of the Torah, he allowed them to become a laughing stock in the land. Would you not say that the church on the whole in the United States and across the world, and, or not the whole world, there's a lot going on in the world, that's good, and the power of God and the spirit of God moving across the face of the earth. But, but in Western Christianity, I would say that that's pretty much the case. On the whole, that preachers of the word of God have become a laughingstock because there has been a lack of reverence in fear, and I'm not saying that out of a, give me a moment. Because there's been a lack of encounter of power, a lack of encounter of him who is what we see here in, or what we saw in Exodus. Because it happened again, and we're going to look at it. It has caused a lack inside of the hearts of us of God's people. But it's not only going to touch us, it's going to touch the world. And we're going to talk about that, okay? So let's, um, let's go to the next slide. Okay, so awe and wonder. I've, these are a little bit small, so I'm going to read them out to you. Matthew 9, 1 through 7. It's about the healing of a paralyzed man. When the crowd saw this, they were awestruck. Now here, Jesus is, um, oh Lord, we're going to have to read it. Woo, turn to Matthew. Open your Bibles, turn to Matthew, come on, read with me. Matthew 9, 1 through 7. So he got into the boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. And then, behold, they brought him into, brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. And at once, some of the scribes said within themselves, they said in their heart, this man is, this man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, that's an interesting passage. Did you know by the Spirit of God 
God will reveal to you the thoughts and intents of other people's hearts. Come on. Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is it easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God. Marveled is a synonym for awestruck. They were awestruck and glorified God and praised him. There is a component and a correlation to the power, the rarefied power of God and the nature of true worship. I'm going to say that again. There is a correlation between the raw power of God and worship. Matthew 17, 1 through 8. It's also in Luke, but let's turn to Matthew 17. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up onto a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. Remember what I said about the mountain under the old covenant with the giving of the law? Here is a manifestation in the new covenant of another mountain. Jesus goes up. He takes them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with them. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, It is good for us to be here, if you wish. Let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Yeah, good old Peter. All right. And while he was still speaking, behold, say behold. Behold. Whenever the scripture puts in a therefore or a behold, you need to take note, okay? It says, while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. The second time, where was the first time that that happened? When he got filled with the Holy Ghost under John, his cousin. Come on, there's a correlation there. So a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And then the disciples heard it. They fell on their faces, and they were greatly afraid. In other words, there was power. There was awe. There was wonder. And it shifted their hearts. And Jesus' response to the manifestation of the power was this, arise and do not be afraid. In Luke it says, but even as he was saying this, a cloud formed and began to overshadow them. And they were greatly afraid as they entered the cloud. The sea, Jesus was still under the old covenant. The cross hadn't happened yet. And before the people of God had to stay away from the cloud because they were afraid they would die. 
But here is a manifestation where Jesus brings his disciples up on the mountain. The mountain happens all over again. And this time there's lightnings, there's thunders, there's, there's transformation. Jesus is shining like the sun. His garments are bright as lightning and they're flashing on and off. That's what the scripture says. His, his garments were flashing as white as lightning. Come on, let's get, let's get real. Let's look at what the scripture really says. There's supernatural stuff all over the place. But we've been so conditioned not to see it. We've got to open our eyes and understand that a cloud overshadowed them. And they were greatly afraid as they entered the cloud. It was the beginning of the declaration of we are going to move into the cloud under the new covenant. We're not separated by the veil. I was doing some um, research during worship and it was interesting to note. That <clears throat> giving the, where did the Ten Commandments end up? End up in the Ark of the Covenant, right? <clears throat> where did the Ark of the Covenant end up? In the temple, right? What separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place? The veil. Do you know that the veil, by rabbinical tradition, it may be an exaggeration, it was four inches thick. It was, it was so heavy that, two, that horses pulling on either side of it couldn't rip it apart. And I was looking at what some of the description of rabbinical tradition of the colors that were inside of the, of the veil. Now, remember, in the old covenant, it was a dark cloud. In the new covenant, a dark cloud covered the presence of God. How many of you, okay, I'm taking another little rabbit trail. How many of you, when you think of darkness, you think it's evil? Okay, let me just blow that out of the water. God, in Genesis, said he made the light and the dark, and it was... Just because the enemy has tried to occupy the place of darkness doesn't mean that it's what God intended it to be. God was covered by a dark cloud. And in the, in the rabbinical tradition, the veil in the temple, I believe, in my opinion, is representative of the dark cloud. If you look at the, what rabbinical tradition says about the colors, the purple, the flax color, the, which represented the earth, the purple which represented the sea, the, uh, the red, there were, there were colors, there was some light colors in it, but they were mostly dark colors. And in rabbinical tradition, it says it represented the universe. Now, you look at some of the pictures of the, of the, from the space, uh, the Hubble Space Telescope. Think about some of the imagery you've seen online of the Hubble Space Telescope with the nebula and the clouds and the... Can, I mean, can we just go there? This is my opinion. I'm just, I'm extrapolating, okay? But what I'm trying to say to you is that that here they come and this cloud now overtakes them and they enter into the cloud because Jesus was with them. And I believe the fullness of the manifestation of that was given at Pentecost. Acts 2, 42 through 43. They were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles. Now, this is after Jesus has, has risen and ascended. And to fellowship, and to eating meals together, and to prayers, and a sense of awe was felt by everyone, and many wonders and sign attesting miracles 
Okay, attesting miracles were taking place through the apostles. Again, this is the Amplified in Acts 2. There, I want you to read, I want you to hear this very carefully because there's something revealed in this passage that gives context to everything that we're talking about today. The power of God, the rarefied, raw power of God that, that is manifest, if we should say, by the spirit of the fear of the Lord, the one of the aspects of the Holy Spirit is that there was a sense of awe and many wonders and sign attesting miracles. When God came in power in the Old Testament, he was attesting, he was testifying about himself and his nature. When he came in the Mount of Transfiguration and the lightnings and the, and the shining like the sun, the manifestations that were happening upon that mountain, he was attesting, this is my son in who I'm well pleased. Hear him. He was attesting to Jesus and his nature and what he had come for. Among the apostles in the New Testament church, and they, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and of course there were multiple outpourings, but it says that it was felt by and there's many wonders and signs and attesting miracles were taking place through the apostles. I'm here to tell you that the age of miracles has never ceased. The age of the presence of God and the power of God and the manifestation of the raw power of God has not ceased. The men who were traveling with him, this is in Acts 9. This is about Saul on the road to Damascus. The men who were traveling with him were terrified and stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Let's read that passage. Oh, come on, guys. Shh. Acts 9. Thank you. So verse 3, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. That is not speaking of out of the sky. That is speaking of literally the heavens opened up, and out of heaven shone down a light upon Saul. Okay? Let's make sure that we look at what the scripture is really saying. Saul, Saul. And so he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You think maybe in that moment Saul was experiencing a little awe and wonder? Come on. He fell. I mean, here is Saul, the persecutor of the New Testament church, a murderer of Christians, a man emblazoned with zealousness to persecute the church out of his desire, out of his love for God and love for the Torah. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And then, he, and then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he was trembling and astonished. Say trembling and astonished. 
Lord, what do you want me to do? And then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. And then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they had led him by the hand, and he brought him to Damascus. And three, he was three days without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. I mean, let, I mean let's th- let, come on, let's... Practically, let's think about what's happened. The heaven, out of heaven, a light shines down, strikes him to the ground. He's, he's, there's awe and wonder. He hears the voice of God, and those that are with him hear the same voice, but see no one. And he gets up, and he's struck blind in an instant. All right, let's go to the next scripture. I'm going to wrap this up. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude and offer to God pleasing service and acceptable worship with reverence and awe. What is the qualifier for acceptable worship? Yeah. Changes my definition of worship a little bit, doesn't it? The qualifier in this passage to acceptable worship is with reverence and awe. Can reverence and awe come, be manifested out of your own strength? Can you make it? Can you will it? Thank you. No. So what I'm here today to tell you is that there has been an absence of the spirit of the fear of the Lord. There has been an absence of awe and wonder that is going to be restored back to his people. That his people who are called to worship him in spirit and in truth. Spirit. Who? What is one of the spirits of God? The spirit of the fear of the Lord. Okay? That he would restore that back to bring acceptable worship and reverence and awe. Now, there's water. Well, praise Jesus. Okay. What I, want to, what I want to share with you from my heart is that one is that I want you to have a new way of thinking. Renew your mind about the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Because there is something delightful about him and the scripture gives promise to those that fear the Lord that he will, he will release blessing out of his promise upon your life. The fear of the Lord is the manifestation of the power of God that produces awe and wonder. We are stepping into an age where God is going to restore awe and wonder. And when the people of God carry, because we are like Jesus, we now carry the glory in us. The scripture says under the old covenant that I'm paraphrasing, but it basically 
God doesn't share his glory. Well, that's under the old covenant. Under the new covenant, God gives his glory to his sons and daughters. And that we are carriers of every facet and aspect of God if we will open our eyes and renew our minds to the truth. And what I'm saying is that we are to be carriers and manifestors of that power. That as we go and we go into the world, as we go and minister to our brothers and sisters, that there would be manifestations that should follow every believer that will generate an acceptable worship among God's people. Awe and wonder, reverence. How many of you in your walk with the Lord, and I'm just, I'm, don't feel condemned, I'm just asking, how many of you have encountered the raw power of God in an experience, in a, in a genuine, bona fide experience with the Lord? <clears throat> I'll share a, a testimony with you. A number of years ago, I was in a major transition in my walk with the Lord. I was very frustrated, and I was, I was very hungry. And we were on vacation. I've talked about this before, but I'll share it again. We were on vacation. We had gone down to the Outer Banks. I was so over it on the inside that when we got there, natural transition, kids misbehaving, chaos, you know, crankiness. You know, how many of you all ever gone to the beach with your kids? <laughs> right? But inside, I was like, that's it. I'm done. Tilt. And I looked at my wife, my amazing wife, and I said, and all I said was, I'm done. I'm going to go take a nap. I'm done. Yeah. Well, it was like a five-hour drive to get down to the Outer Banks, so it was bad. <laughs> so, and I, um, and I went and lay down in the master bedroom on the bed, and I, I, I'm a seer. I tend to have spiritual encounters, and one of the places that I have encounters with the Lord is in between the place of being fully awake and being fully asleep. And um, how many of you relate to that? Okay, good. And, um, and so I'm laying my head down, and the next thing I know the room has completely shifted and the father has shown up in my room and he's standing next to my bed. I can see the, his robe and his garment and, and I didn't understand it at the time, but now I do. When, I got, when it got up to his face, there was a dark cloud around his face and there was stuff flying around his face. I have no idea what that was. I'm sure I'll get the revelation at some point, but I didn't understand why was, why was I seeing a dark cloud around the face of God. I didn't get it. And I'm telling you, there was, I, I never understood what holy was until that moment. I was laying in that bed, and I literally was, I, I, I physically was curled up into the fetal position and although I wasn't afraid of him because he was, he's my father, I was terrified because of the power. I want to say that again. Although I was not afraid of him because he's my father, 
my body and all of my inmost being were reacting to the raw power that was in the room, and I was physically terrified because he had manifested himself to that degree. It it has been a sentinel moment in my walk with God. It changed me inextricably forever. I will never forget it, and I will never let it go. No, you wouldn't. That's right. (laughs) But what what I'm trying to describe to you is that when that thing, when that measure of his power is restored back to his church, it is his church is going to worship according to what the scripture said, the qualifier. In addition to that, the nations are going to stand up because the church will be manifesting the power of God in a measure that we've only seen throughout certain points in history. And what I've said, and I said this on a video is a prophetic word. I don't believe that it's going to come on one individual. I don't believe it's going to come on a few individuals. What I'm saying is that I believe this is something that is being restored to the body as a whole. And that we as the people of God are going to align up into him who is the head. And that which is upon the head is going to come down upon us because the government is upon his shoulders That's us, folks. And out of that alignment of oneness with the head, being in him, in the Trinity, one, as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one, he has given us, he's elevated us, honored us, declared us worthy to, by the blood and the body of Jesus to have that place seated in the heavenly realms with him. And that he wants to manifest his kingdom and the the fullness of the measure of his presence through his people to make himself known upon the earth. We're ambassadors. And he is going to use his people, I believe, in this next season. As as this comes upon the church, the, the church is going to carry a a measure of the power of God that I can't describe. And it is going to radically transform the church. It is going to bring about a whole new realm of worship with all wonder and reverence. And it is also going to make the nation stand up and take note because the church that has been mocked and ridiculed because of its lack of power is now going to step into a measure of power that the nations have not seen. And they are going to back up, and they're going to stand, and they're going to be terrified, and they're going to go, whoa. Now, in that moment, it's not for pride or arrogance to step in, but it's for us that have been anointed with the ministry of reconciliation to reach out to those, because when the power of God comes like that in the world, it is going to rend paradigms, and those that have not been able to see their need for a Savior, their need for salvation, when they encounter the power of God like that, just like they did in the Old Covenant, they're going to cry out for salvation, And they are going to be looking for those that carry the anointing of reconciliation to be the mediator between them and God to say, hey, you can be forgiven. You you see 
The power of God has been revealed, and you now know that he's, re- he's real. You now know that you've been an enemy of God, but I've got good news. I am, I am confident. I mean, I am confident. Two minutes, okay. I am confident that there is a manifestation, a restoration of the spirit of the fear of the Lord that is coming back to the church for two reasons. For the church to be the church he intended and for the world to come into great harvest. It is an exciting time to be alive. I am so thankful I was born in this generation. Because I know this is part of what I get to do. And guess what, guys? If you so choose to accept this mission, it is your opportunity to do it too. How many of you want this? Stand up. That's sort of a loaded question, so if anybody stood up because you felt left out, I apologize. (laughs) We're family here. We love you. Well, Father, we... um, We've heard your word today, but Lord, there is a place where we need to encounter you, the word, where the word needs to become more than knowledge. It needs to become revelation manifested. And so, Lord, we're inviting you, Holy Spirit, we're inviting you, Spirit of the fear of the Lord, we're inviting you to come and to move us into encounter that brings revelation, that produces conviction, that yields obedience Lord, we're asking that you would restore your power, the raw power of who you are. It's a facet of your glory. It is a part of your glory, and we want the glory of our Father. We want all of it, Father. We don't want just a part. We want all of it, Father. We want all of it, Father. Because we're your sons and daughters, and we want to represent you well. We want to represent you well, Daddy. And we're asking, Holy Spirit, come. Come back into your church. We're inviting you. We're a people that are saying yes, yes, yes. Just say yes if that's your heart. Hey, God, come Holy Spirit. We are inviting you, Father. We're saying, Papa, Bring us into places of awe and wonder like never before. Hey. And Lord, we're saying use us to bring awe and wonder in the marketplace, in the grocery store. Lord, and among friends that don't know you, God, bring your power, God. Say yes, Lord. Father, I pray that your words alone would be sealed in the hearts of your children today. That any other word that is not yours would just fall. It wouldn't be seed planted in their hearts. Father, I'm asking, Father, that that seed, even as Pastor Rifle talked about, would begin to grow and to germinate and produce the fruit that you intend. And the manifestation of that fruit would be 
abundant. Lord, we thank you. I bless your children in your name. Amen.